Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Blog Talk Radio. Yes, we're celebrating five years of running. You know, those of you who had a chance to listen to our podcast that we, we uh, dropped live yesterday know that we are celebrating our five-year anniversary. And tonight um, we have a very special show with one mic uh, focused on the big fight. You know, for the most part, this is all about boxing. And I'm just going to take a couple minutes to, to recognize that we uh, uh, have two of the top picks, all that stuff that was talking about with the NFL draft. Jameis Winston went first and Mario goes second. Enough of that's behind us. That's all I'm going to say about anything else. We'll get back in because right now it's about that as as uh, 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 as they like to talk about, it's about that, that pugilistic sport. It's that, that man-to-man, woman-to-woman, whatever it is. You get in the ring and that you can't hide from alignment. They can't disguise coverages. You out there basically with some gloves on, and you either do it or you don't. And that's what this is about today. And you can't really do this. We can't do this. See, in five years, what's happening, we've had people who have been great contributors. And no better contributor we ever had is in this area of boxing. And the guy I got on tonight has just been, he like fam now. He in. You know, he part of this, 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 this RSG movement. You know, we, we're going to try and push him out. So, you know, when he on HBO, Showtime, hopefully he don't forget about us. But we got my man, Teron Briggs. On the, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. How's it going, brother? Happy, uh, I didn't even realize it, but happy fifth-year anniversary. That's a wonderful thing, man. You you know, you've been doing this media thing, and you've been doing it for a long time. It's hard to stay. And to think that, you know, something that started as an idea in um, – O'Hare Airport on my way to LAX has uh, resulted in uh, this, something that's ended up in five years and, you know, nearly 100,000 downloads. You know, we just – right now we like the little engine that could, but we loving it. And um, uh, it's been great. And you have been, you know, a really important friend of the program, interacting, supporting us on the social media platform, coming and talking and sharing. And 
Uh, it's really been good to have you as part of this journey. Look at this, man. You get me all emotional, and we haven't even started talking about my favorite sport yet, man. This this could be a long night, brother. It's it's been awesome to be a contributor over the years, man. Well, I I tell you, uh, you know, you got a lot of movement. And so I want to start with where can people find you? You've been moving. You were were at the Klitschko fight last week. You know, you rise in the game. You know, you're like the real sports guys. We we juggle multiple careers, but we got this passion we love for sports. You know different. But but what, we, tell us a little about where you're at in the game right now and what you've been doing and where you're positioning and where people can find you. Definitely, definitely. Well, I remain with um, – well, first of all, you can find me on, on Twitter, uh, Teron, Teron – uh, what is it? At Teron Briggs um, is my, my Twitter account. Uh, I, I love to tweet about uh, – certainly about boxing, but about pretty much anything, you name it. So uh, – you could always find me there. Um, I'm still with uh, which I've, a site that I've been with for I don't even know how many years, probably close to five when you mentioned five mm-hmm. for um, RSG, uh, boxing.com. Uh, I remain one of their contributing writers. I also recently, just this year, um, started uh, started working, started contributing with to the uh, Undisputed Champion Network, UCN.com, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which has a, uh, it's a wonderful site. They do a, uh, uh, a number of uh, it's a, it's a really unique site because they have a lot of great video content as well as written uh, content, and is there an, uh, they have a number of noteworthy writers, uh, mm-hmm. some of the top guys in the um, in the sports, Steve Kim, Coyote Durant, um, just a bunch of guys that a lot of uh, people who who are in the sport who know about boxing are familiar with. So um, it's been wonderful to uh, to be a to get a to get enlisted with them and, and, and help contribute to that site over the last um, five or six months. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. I think I covered all bases. If I think of anything uh, during this, during our talk, I'll, 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 I'll bring it up, but I think that's it for now. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, and as people listen and join in on the podcast, whether it's live or getting on iTunes or going to realsportsguys.com uh, to access this, uh, we'll mm-hmm. be posting it. You can also catch us on, um, uh, uh, Google. We have a Google channel now. There, we're, we're building that up. A um, lot to come here in this fifth year. Uh, we might be laying down a new platform. You know, we're keeping it moving. But tonight, it's all about boxing. And we're gonna start the way we always like to start is everybody wants to jump into the fight, but to really do boxing fair, we want to build and get a sense of what's been happening up to this point. There's been a lot of great things happen that set the context of, of even this big fight. We got some fights coming up right after this big fight, and so we want to spend some time nibbling around the fight about what's happening in the fight game, uh, and, and uh, we want Teron to to be able to talk to some of those things, particularly for folks who are are not as uh, uh, engaged in fight game. They usually come out for the big fights. It's an opportunity for you to get to know some other folks that might be going that you might latch on to as well. So we always want to do that. And then, you know, we're going to spend some time talking about the fight game, uh, and then we also, uh, particularly how we're going to launch this with the funky editorial, is also talk about the fight game in general. Because whenever you have big fights like this, one of the big questions that always gets started and comes out is, you know, is this something that's going to elevate the fight game? Is this going to change the way people really see boxing right now? Then there's some interesting things happening in boxing in terms of the way in which the, the game is being promoted 
and the access to fight uh, that's changed here in recent months yeah. that I, I definitely want Teron to, to weigh in on and help us understand. Um, and, and as a key player, that if you've been watching boxing enough, they, they thank God and then they thank this guy. Like, whenever you get, you know, I'm, I don't know how spiritual you are, but whenever you always follow God and these players are doing this, you're doing something. I've never heard anybody do this with a promoter uh, or a manager. And so uh, it, it, it gives you a sense of, but this is somebody who's agitating the game. And so for some of you people who are kind of, you know, kind of casual viewers of boxing, it's important for you to understand because you might be saying, wow, I've been seeing all this stuff on NBC or CBS or True TV and what's going on, and you might not be aware but we need to talk about that because that might have a ripple effect based on this fight. So that's what we're going to cover. You know, we got a podcast here that you're going to hit. You'll be able to come back, rewind, listen to. But we got what I say is one of the rising stars in the game. And like I told him, I'm going to be like early magic. Well, I'm just going to throw to the post like he threw to Kareem, and we're going to hit that sky hook. If he hit the game with like magic did in the first game, I might come to hug him around the neck like, <laughs> knowing we still got 81 games to go. Um but I'm, I want, I, when I get talent, one mic is about the guests, less about me. I want to let them breathe and let you understand what they have to offer. So when you see them on Twitter, you see that it's about promoting them, and I, want, I try to give them as much time on one mic to breathe. I just try to guide the conversation. And so we're going to kick it off. We're going to bring one of our, 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 our solid show elements to this, a funky editorial to kind of get y'all a little uh, warmed up with this. So here we go with Funky Territorial. Fellas, the one thing we need to say, shall we say it, y'all? Melvin, Jimmy, Coleman, Ryan, say it. Everybody want to get funky one more time. So there's a lot going on in the fight game. There's been some things happening behind the scenes. We've got kind of premier boxing happening. Uh, Al Heyman, you know, if you ever hear boxing, you hear guys, they, they, they thank God, and they say thank you to Al Heyman. And this is a guy, he kind of like, if you, if you watched, I think it's the movie Trading Places, I think they called him Mr. Big. You never saw this guy. Things just moved. This is Al Heyman. He don't do interviews. Things just move. This is a guy that started his career in broader entertainment field. He was doing concerts. Um, he's, uh, I think, Wharton School trained, sharp cat, and had this vision about boxing that he's beginning to implement uh, that is giving us much more access to boxing rather than this pay-per-view game. And so I want to start this conversation uh, with you, uh, uh, Teron, since people ask this anytime you have a big fight like this, but I want to put this in the context of what we see Al Heyman doing. What has been your thought with some of these early bouts in terms of Al, how Al Heyman has been rolling this stuff out? And can you give people a little bit of background on who he is, how this network is working, and you know what you see where they, they might be trying to go as it relates to boxing? Well, well, certainly. Well, like you said, uh, the the funniest thing about um, is the fighters thinking. Thanking Al, one of the funniest things about it is that, like you said, they the first person they normally thank is God. So you've seen a couple guys who actually have thanked Al first. But uh, usually, <laughs> most most athletes, um, if, if you notice, they'll thank God first, and then the second person they'll thank will usually be their mother or father. Um, but uh, like you said, with fighters, if Al isn't the first person they thank, 
it's almost always the second. Well, at least the fighters who um are in Al's stable, and right now um his stable mm-hmm. is ridiculously large. Uh, some people estimate it as close to over uh, 250 active uh, fighters currently fight with him uh, listed as being their um, their advisor. But uh, but yeah, no. Uh, well, actually, I got a little sort of a uh, breaking news in regards to Al. Um, Al Heyman, it was uh, and this was first broken by um, FightNews.com, so I have to uh, certainly give them their props and attribute this to them. Mm-hmm. But the uh, the ABC, which is the Association of Boxing mm-hmm. Commissions, uh, recently sent a six-page letter to the new United States Attorney Loretta Lynch, citing probable cause for an investigation of Al Heyman and his um, Premier Champions Boxing League. Uh, and I'll get into his uh, Premier Champions Boxing League now in a shortly, but basically the um, the investigation is is around, like I said, the uh, Muhammad Ali, is around the Muhammad Ali Act, and for those who mm. don't know, the Muhammad Ali Act basically says that no one individual can act as a fighter's promoter and, and or sanctioning organization or m- manager. So there's got to be defined um, roles there, and Apparently, according to the uh, the American the Association of Boxing Commissions, they believe that Al Heyman has violated that. So, uh, so a letter has been sent to Loretta Lynch to about a starting an investigation. Uh, th- that's the um the the latest that uh news that I have regarding that. Uh, I guess she will eventually she's eventually going to have to respond to them. Uh, when that might happen, I don't know. But uh, that's just something to, to sort of uh to be aware of. Uh, Right now, there could potentially be some um, the the landscape that has recently been set out could potentially be changing depending on the way uh, this invest this potential investigation goes. Um, so I hope I didn't get us off the uh, too, off the topic there. Yeah, no, no, this is great. Let me just ask you a quick follow up to that because sure. you know, in the, I was going to say one of the things I was saying that I mean, William, he's almost creating the closest thing you would have to the UFC. And one of the things they said great about the UFC is that um, because um, it's centrally controlled, great fights happen. And in some ways, you know, as you described the, the letter, it, because he's operating that way, he's actually able to make some of these great fights happen because when you have 250 fighters, most of them probably in the top echelon of boxing or that, you know, in any rank probably in the top 25. So he's got that top pool. You know, in some senses, he can help make fights happen that wouldn't normally happen, which you are seeing. So it's interesting that they were doing that, even though that appears to be something that's good for the game. So I just, I just something I just thought in there, but I'll let you go. I'm glad you dropped that here at Real Sports Guys, breaking news. That's that's why we bring the man, the myth, and this up and coming legend to the day. I'll, I'll I'll get back in the corner and let you work in the post. <laughs> but um, but yeah, yeah, but but back to. Back to Al Heyman, he's been um, he's been in and around the sport for uh, probably close to 15 years now. The uh, the first fighter of note that he acted as the advisor for was um, the late Vernon Forrest, former um, multiple time uh, welterweight champion, who's most known for beating Sugar Sugar Shane Mosley uh, years ago when Sugar Shane was uh, considered by many to be the pound for pound best fighter in the world at that time, um, and then. Uh, Heyman became 
even more well known when he became the advisor, which he still acts as still acts as for the uh, current best pound for pound fighter in the world, Floyd Mayweather Jr. Um, and he's held that role for over over ten years now. But he's a guy that that Floyd has uh, on numerous occasions, and anyone who um, on numerous occasions he's attributed his uh, his standing in the sport and the wealth that he's been been able to to uh, to create to Al acting as his advisor and um, confidant. And uh, and anyone who knows Floyd Mayweather knows that he is a man who doesn't give out compliments often. Uh, who, who believes very strongly in himself. So for him to, uh, to, you know, to sort of acknowledge this guy and say that he played in such a big role in his career goes to show you how um, omnipresent and how powerful Al Heyman is. But, uh, yeah, earlier this year um, in an announcement that since Shockwaves is the sport, Al Heyman announced that he was coming out with this, um, this sort of this title for this boxing series that he was doing called the Premier Boxing Champions series, and the series would be airing, um, like you mentioned earlier, on CBS, uh, on the CBS family, uh, that being CBS, the regular network, and then also CBS Sports Network. Uh, in addition to his premier boxing champions series appearing on CBS, he also announced that he was doing a, a time buy with NBC as well as Spike TV um, and and all of the formats associated with um, NBC, which is also the NBC Sports Network. Um, so yeah, that was that was a huge deal. Um, now, now what he's doing exactly um, is important to to notate that it's it's a time buy, meaning that Al essentially bought a two hour time slot on the network, and during that time slot, he can uh, put on whatever content that he wants. Um, during his his fights in terms of commercials, now if you watch, mm-hmm. if you've had a chance to watch any of the premier boxing um, series uh, you, you'll, on CBS and NBC that have aired over the last few months, you'll notice that there are a ton of um, sort of infomercials in between rounds about Heyman's fighters uh, and his fighters. Like you said, when, when you have 250 fighters in the sport, it's more than likely you're going to have most of the premier guys and and he has that so this time by has has really changed the face of boxing because it's been a long time since this many um television networks have been involved in the sport and it's been a long time since the guy with the kind of money that al Heyman um reportedly has and supposedly uh many people including dan raphael of espn and a number of other prominent writers are saying that Heyman has amassed a backing um, of investors who have offered to contribute as much as $400 million to his, um, to his premier boxing uh, series. So mm. this guy has a ton of money, and he is throwing it in a lot of places, and he's putting boxing back on network TV. So that's, that's one of the positives of, uh, of Al Heyman and the Al Heyman effect on the sport. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a quick now, question. Yeah, yeah. Well, you go to the negative. So, what's the business model? How's the money get back? So he buys the hours, but is he making? I mean, how do you get the the, the effect that you get? Because you don't get a lot of pay per views. So, how is he? Is he believing that as he builds it up, 
he'll he'll be able to sell that time in a way that would generate the kind of money for fighters and folks through being able to sell the advertising time for that. Exactly, exactly, and that's that's the key. It's um, in in many ways his his plan. Um, and 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 like you said, Heyman is a very uh, very reclusive uh, individual. Mm-hmm. He's not one who gives media interviews. He's never given a media interview. Um, so the, the only way that people inside the sport have an idea of what his plan is is by just seeing the, his movements because he, he's not going to outline yeah. them to you. But uh, like you said, it, it, it is an investment. Um, it doesn't yeah. appear that he's in any way making his money back, his initial investment money back right now at all. Like you said, these time mm-hmm. buys, um, though there are some um, some advertising spots um, through them, it's very few and far in between. the The bulk of the um, the commercial time in between rounds um, is is infomercials and promotions mm-hmm. for his other fighters. So mm-hmm. his belief is that I I am going to sink a lot of money. You know, the same way many people do with businesses. You know, they get started. Uh, you invest in your business. Um, Realizing that initially you're not going to make uh, a big return, if 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 any return, you might probably not even going to make it uh, get even in, in terms of your investment. But you're building for eventual profits that you believe you can reap down the road. And apparently mm-hmm. that's what um, Heyman and his investors, who, like I said, have uh, reportedly um, uh told him that they would give him up to $400 million or somewhere in that neighborhood to invest. Uh, they believe mm. that, you know, I don't know how long, I don't know how long that plan um, would be, whether it be, you know, three, two to five years or what have you, but they believe eventually he's going to, to create a foundation that's going to um, reap, you know, millions, hundreds of millions of dollars and pay them back their money plus some. Okay. Wow. Wow. So you're going to talk about the bad side. You sound like you have a butt in there. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, with, uh, even 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 God has um, uh, people who doubt him and, uh, you know, people who, who will say negative things. And Al Heyman is, uh, is, is certainly not above, above the fray um, and the finger pointing. And one of the, the issues or the biggest issue – with him uh, and people's not on him exactly has has a lot to do with this this um this new investigation that the um the boxing commissions want the uh, attorney general to look into and that's the fact that he's created a league like you said because he has all of these fighters there's the potential that he can put together kind of fights that that fans want to see unfortunately mm-hmm. um. What we've also seen is a lot of his fighters not being matched with each other because mm-hmm. it is maybe not necessarily in his best interest to have you know one of have one of his guys lose to the other, or it's not in his best interest. So there's been a lot of um, finger pointing that he is manipulating who his fighters choose uh, to fight. For instance, one of the biggest non-in-the-ring um, stories of last year was uh, former middleweight title holder Peter Kid Chocolate Quinlan, who uh, mm-hmm. until he just lost, well, actually just got a disputed decision draw against Andy Lee, was undefeated. He was a guy who had a middleweight title, and I don't know how much you know about purse bids. Do you, 
you know mm-hmm. about pers- how that works for um for fights? No, go, go ahead, talk through it, talk it through. So yeah, yeah. Well, basically, purse biz is just uh, it's a way when uh, a champion and a challenger, uh, a mandatory challenger, cannot come up with a um, they cannot negotiate a deal. Uh, mm-hmm. At that time, the organization, whatever belt it is, the WBC, IBF, or WBA, will have a purse bid where promoters can bid a certain amount of money, and whoever makes the highest bid, they'll get a chance to promote the fight, and they'll pay the uh, they'll be responsible for um, for paying the fighters, and they they usually have a, a certain split that is um, in favor of the champion, whether it be like eighty twenty or sixty forty. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, this guy Kid Chocolate was a title holder. He had a mandatory title defense. It went up for a a purse bid because the two sides, his promoter and his promoter at that time was Golden Boy, and his challenger's promoter didn't have a – they couldn't re- reach a deal. They had a purse bid, and Rock Nation Sports, which is becoming another – I'll definitely briefly um, talk about them. Um, mm-hmm. have, they've become a, a huge player in the sport. They're another – they're a player with a, a huge war chest of money, and they they bid an outrageous amount for this fight and won the bid, uh, a bid that would have paid um, Peter Quinlan as the champion $1.4 million, which would have been the largest um, purse that he ever made in his career. And Kid Chocolate backed out of the fight. He, he, he initially had agreed to it and said he was going to do it, and then um, no deals had been signed or anything. He just mysteriously said, I'm not interested, and he dropped his belt. And the speculation, and and the speculation is, is certainly um, is based on what, you know, what certainly seems to be, a, you know, tangible evidence is that Al Heyman and, for those who don't know, Al Heyman and Jay-Z have a longstanding feud that, because uh, Al Heyman, mm-hmm. before he got into boxing, was a concert promoter, um, mm-hmm. one of the biggest in the in the country. Uh, and he had some ties with Beyonce and Beyonce's dad. Um, they had a, a huge falling out years ago that resulted in some lawsuits and a bunch of other things. So Al Heyman essentially got his client, who he advises, Kid Chocolate, what many believe that he got his client to back out of this because he did not want to do business with Jay-Z and didn't want to see Jay-Z do well. Um, and because of that, Kid Chocolate got all kinds of um, criticism from the media, and rightfully so, and, and the fans, yeah. because here he was with the opportunity to make the biggest person of his career, defend his title against a guy who was the number one contender, and he essentially said, I don't want to fight him, and dropped his belt. Wow. It's just one of the, the issues that um, that stemmed from this whole, um, from Al Heyman, uh, one of the, the negatives. Uh, another thing is that, if you, if you get a chance and, and when you get a chance to see some of the premier boxing series shows, you'll notice that for, for whatever reason, they've made a point to not um, really recognize the titles that the fighters who fight might have. So whether they be a, yeah. a title from the WBC or IBF, and many believe it's because he is attempting to create his own sanctioning organization, um, mm. and which is would be a blatant um, uh breaking of the law in regards to the fact that you can't be a, have a sanctioning organization as well as advise the fighters, you know, that's mm. the, the two collide. Um, you know, there's got to be a, you know, that's like, if you look at any major sport with like a union and 
the league, you know, the union is separate from the league. The union's interest is that of the players. As an mm-hmm. advisor, his interest is supposed to be that of his fighters. If he were to do some sort of sanctioning organization, then that would seemingly put him at odds. So that's, that's the, those are the big knocks on, um, on Heyman right now. And though there's a, a lot of people who are knocking him, he is at the point where he is so – huge right now within the sport that it's going to take a lot to um to really slow him down or even uh you know somehow in this run that he's that he's been on and this, this is important you listen to real sports guys uh real sports this is one mic uh and uh, i'm here with teron briggs and we're we're talking about the big fight but we're trying to set the table and this is important stuff to understand because these are the players who are behind the scenes the puppeteers, mm-hmm. the, the folks who help to create these uh, fight opportunities. And Al Heyman is, you know, the biggest player in the game. And um, many people don't know him and understand where he's coming from. And so uh, I really want to thank you for providing that context. You know, this fight has gotten a buzz, but, you know, one of the things that, you know, we really try to talk about is, you know, you know where does fight game go beyond these two? And uh, one of the things I want to hit a little bit here before we talked about some of the fights who were we just you know have been happening in recent months and some of the ones that are Ryan and getting into the the main fight uh, that we we really want to talk about uh, to really go deep into it. You know who do you, who's making the buzz? I want you to talk about. You know I want I said Teron I want I want your list of who who are the buzz makers? Who are some of these folks who that folks just don't know who who could be those next future kind of major fights, you know, that people don't aren't paying attention to that could maybe it doesn't end up being like the Pacquiao money, but, you know, these are folks we need to pay attention to because they're going to have a building buzz here coming up uh, in, in a few years. Who are your buzz makers? Teron Briggs. Is the number one? No, no, no. no. Honestly, um, <laughs> we know you going We know you're gonna be a buzz maker. I, I'm, I'm hoping to be. I'm hoping to, man. But no, uh, I'll start with the, um, with the biggest buzz maker, and uh, and I don't just mean biggest in terms of uh, making the biggest buzz, but literally the biggest. And and that guy is uh, Deontay Wilder, the current yeah. undefeated WBC um, heavyweight champion, uh, well, heavyweight title holder, because uh, anyone who Remotely follows the sport knows that Vladimir Klitschko is the uh, is the champion now. There there are a lot of titles out there. Um, Klitschko has a number of them, but he is considered the champion. But Deontay Wilder, who's this six foot seven, two hundred and twenty pounds, um, you know, certainly very physically gifted fighter, um, former bronze medal winner in the Olympics. Uh, Wilder just had his best career win. Uh, actually, I was lucky enough to have the opportunity to, to sit ringside for that against Bermain Stervine in uh, January of this year out in Las Vegas at the MGM Grand, uh, the home of the of Money Mayweather. Uh, surprisingly enough, other fights actually happened here besides Mayweather's fight. But, um, but in that fight, Wilder captured his first world title, the WBC title, um, in an exciting 12-round fight against uh, – a guy that many people were picking to beat him because even though Wilder has, uh, um, and I'm going to, I'm taking this off the top of my head, he's got an ungodly record. Uh, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it's something like basically 30-0 and 0 with like 29 knockouts. Uh, 
he had before fighting Servine in January of this year, he hadn't fought any recognizable fighters. Servine was the first, and he looked exceptional against him. Um, Wilder's a uh, he's a young he's a young guy. He's from he's from Alabama. He's an American heavyweight. He's the first American title holder um, in a heavyweight division since Shannon Briggs in 2006. So um, it was certainly noteworthy when he got the belt, um, first American-born title holder. And uh, he is, we're back to Al Heyman again, you're the, uh, the figure who looms <laughs> so large over this sport. Um, Deontay is advised by Al Heyman. Um, and everyone, uh, a, a lot of people's eyes in the sport are on him uh, because for so many years up until probably the last maybe 15 years, you know, the sport has revolved around a heavyweight division. Um, it's been a long time since America's had a dominant heavyweight fighter, um, and many people hope and believe that um, this 29-year-old uh, guy with the undefeated record, Wilder, could be the next dominant um, and maybe even great American fighter. So he, right as of right now, he doesn't have a fight scheduled, but he's expected to return um, sometime this, this summer on a premier champions boxing series. So we'll see him. Uh, Sergey Kovalov is the um, is another guy who is undefeated. Uh, he is the light heavyweight, uh, the WBA light heavyweight champion. He's uh, he's been fighting on HBO a lot lately. He's gotten um, very good ratings. Uh, he's a, a Russian born born guy who has whose nickname is Crusher. And that's because he has literally crushed uh, a number of his opponents. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see him. Uh, the he's dominant, uh, but he is very dominant. He um, probably his most well-known uh, fight was uh, in the fall of last year. He beat the uh, the ageless wonder Bernard Hopkins. He became one of the uh, the first guys to actually legitimately dominate a fight with Hopkins. Um, even at 50 years old, uh, even in advanced age, Hopkins has, has remained one of the best guys in the sport. And in November of last year, Sergey uh, thoroughly dominated him. Um, he didn't stop him, but he dominated him. Uh, so right now, Kovalov is 27-0. and 0. He just came off of a, a big win in one of the best fights of this year against John Pascal. That was on HBO in March. Kovalov is promoted by main events. Uh, and he has a, a deal with HBO. He'll be back um, in the ring sometime probably uh, in the before the summer is out, and he's a guy to watch. Um, Gennady Gavalkin, Triple G, is uh, his nickname. He is a, a middleweight title holder, holder. He's considered to be the best um, middleweight in the world, even though uh, Miguel Cotto is the recognized middleweight champion. Um, but this guy, Triple G, is another knockout artist, much like Kovalov. I mean, usually in the sport, if you knock guys out, you'll create a buzz. Uh, you know, people respect boxers. Uh, they respect guys who, um, you know, who who are very good technicians. But the the knockout uh, still to this day is the uh, thing that creates the most buzz because it catches the, the eye of the casual fan. You know, you don't need to be you don't need to be a boxing expert to realize when a guy gets uh, knock the hell out, uh, and <laughs> and because of that, um, Kovalov and and Triple G are, are guys who have um, and Wilder are guys who have stirred huge buzzes. Um, there's a couple other Tyson Fury. He's a heavyweight out of um, 
out of the U.K. He is Mitty expect him to fight uh, Vladimir Klitschko next. He's another um, fighter who's undefeated, uh, another tall guy. He's like 6'6", six, 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 something like that. Um, he's got a, a big following in, uh, in the U.K., uh, and, and many people think that he could be um, – uh, a champion. Uh, Andre Ward is a guy who's been around for a long time. Uh, a lot of people know him. He's been, he's had all kinds of contractual issues that, that have kept him out of the ring. He hasn't fought actually since 2000. And, uh, it's been over a year, it's been 2013. But uh, he's creating some buzz again in the sport because he recently sound, signed with um, Jay Z's company, Rock Nation Sports. And uh, Andre is returning to the ring for the first time, like I said, since. I believe it was November or October of 2013, and he's returning to, to fight in the end of June. I believe it's June 30th, and his fight is going to be the first televised boxing match on BET. Uh, Rock Nation Sports did a deal with um, with BET to air some fights, some fight content. Um, so that's creating a lot of buzz. It's a uh, new territory, boxing on uh, BET. That's big. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, one other guy I gotta I gotta mention him is um, a guy who was just given the uh, Boxing Writers Association Fighter of the Year award for um, 2014, and uh, he's a guy who's also become an HBO staple. He's actually um, it's important that I mention him because he's actually a guy who's not advised by Al Heyman. Um, he is promoted by Top Rank uh, and. I'll be here talking all day about the different um, alliances in the sport. But basically, one thing you need to know is Top Rank, which is the uh, promoter, um, is promoted by Bob Arum and is the uh, promotional company of Manny Pacquiao. Top Rank and Bob Arum don't get along with Al Heyman. So any of Al Heyman's fighters um, who he advises are not promoted by Top Rank because there's a conflict there. So Terrence Crawford is a uh, he's a former title holder at the lightweight division. Um, he now just made his debut at uh, 140, the uh, super lightweight division. He's an undefeated 26-year-old kid out of uh, Nebraska, and he has created a huge buzz. Like I said, he was awarded the Fighter of the Year Award for last year um, for engaging in some excellent fights, and he is becoming one of the biggest um, ticket sellers in America uh, right now in terms of American-born fighters. His, uh, his two fights in, in Nebraska uh, drew over 20,000 fans. Um, so he's he's become a big uh, big buzz, and he's created a big buzz, and he's definitely a um, a young guy in the sport to uh, to sort of uh, look out for. Wow, and I I, I think I, I really love him, and I think and he's a guy that is willing to exchange, um, you know, uh, in a way he does not play it safe. Um, in the way that I say Andre Ward is Andre Ward will fight you any way you want to fight. Um, and I think Crawford is that same kind of guy and has a nasty spirit. But I think he also, um, over time, as he gets comfortable, will promote fights. He's getting quite a following. I think that, that's a great um, a great call. That's a great list. Look, my guy has been going hard. We'll give him a couple-minute break because we're going to bring him back. We got, you know, you know, we're still five years, so we're trying to, uh, uh, make sure that we uh, highlight some of our talent. So uh, we're gonna get DJ Slick a little bit of time. We're gonna let we're gonna let my boy Teron uh, go get some water for a minute here. You know, text maybe get some some up news. He's been dropping mm-hmm. dime and news 
on this stuff. He like he like the Adam Schefter of boxing right now. Phone ringing off the hook. They let him know some things is happening. Weigh-ins happening. All kind of stuff. So we're going to get his brother a break, and then we're going to come right back. You listen to Real Sports, guys. This is one Mike with D. Wills. I'm with Teron Briggs, baby. This is good. We'll be back in a minute. Yo, 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 this is your boy DJ Slick with RSG, Real Sports Guys. Let's do this. Right about now, you're about to be possessed of the sounds of MC Rothfuss and DJ Easy Rock.
All right, all right, all right. This is the Real Sports Guys, One Mike with D. Wills. Uh, this has been great. Uh, if you've had a chance to listen to the first part of this podcast, you're getting nothing but gems. You're getting the kind of stuff. We're taking you behind the scenes in boxing as you're getting ready. We're painting a picture. We're trying to get around the sport. We're trying to give you a sense of what's going on. We're trying to set context because these things just don't happen. And then you know the big fight is coming up. And so in this next segment, we're going to talk about some fights that have come up and, and that, that would have happened here in recent months. We're going to talk about some of the fights that's on the other side of this big fight. Uh, that you kind of said context, and then we're gonna spend the rest of the time talking about the fight, and then it will end with our guy's prediction, which he probably already posted um, about it and why. Um, so we're gonna really start going through it. So, Teron, we got you back uh, again. Uh, before we get started, I'll, I'll throw the question, and then you can um, also let people know where they can they can find you as people are jumping into the podcast at a certain point. So we want to make sure people are following you. One of the things you'll learn about, he's breaking down in boxing. But if you follow on Twitter, particularly with all of us mm-hmm. on there, we'll be talking about every sport. We'll be talking about that. And that. So this is a cat that knows his, his, his boxing, but he knows he, when you engage him, he'll have a whole bunch of other stuff. He's a great follower on Twitter, and so make sure you, you're doing that. But as to set the context, there's been some stuff going on. You mentioned you had a couple fights. Um, I know you – I think you were at the Klitschko fight uh, last week. I want you to talk highlight some fights that – kind of set the context leading up here in recent months that really kind of capture your eye that people may have not paid attention to that might really um, create some direction about uh, some things that might be happening in the near future. And then I want you to also hit some fights that are people, they're so glued in on this fight that they might miss if they don't pay attention that will be coming up, you know, after the fight. There's some fights that are coming up in the next month or two that people also need to uh, go that will whet their appetite even equally. Maybe don't have all the hype in the marketing, but, from the, the the kind of fight it can be could be just as good, so I'll, I'll I'll get out the way and let you do your thing. Cool, cool. Well, for for those who don't know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Brooklyn guy, born and raised. Uh, I've lived other places, but uh, New York is my home, and and I've been back here for uh, some time now. So usually any of the big fights on the East Coast, uh, whether it be Atlantic City, New York. Uh, you know, Philadelphia, I'm there. Um, oh, I, cer- I certainly try to be there. And one of those fights is, is one that you mentioned uh, took place last weekend at uh, at the um, at Madison Square Garden, the Mecca of Boxing, um, for the heavyweight championship of the world. The between uh, the fight was between Vladimir Klitschko and Brian Jennings. Uh, Jennings at the time was an undefeated contender out of uh, Philadelphia guy who had um, been showcased on HBO. The fight was broadcast by HBO, um, and he had won some, uh, a number of fights on HBO, and, and people wanted to see him fight Klitschko, wanted to see how he did. Uh, he ended up doing pretty well. It was a it was a good, a pretty good 12-round um, fight that, that had a couple of lows, but also had a couple of um, interesting moments. Uh, Klitschko defended his title, um, for like the 18th straight time, uh, I think he is right now. He's, I believe, it's seven behind the all-time record for most heavyweight title defenses, which is uh, held by um, Joe Lewis. It's 25. Um, but that was a good fight. It was Klitschko's first fight in on American soil in something like seven years, and it also happened to be the um, the highest HBO-rated fight 
in three years, uh, since 2012. So when Klitschko left uh, to, to fight overseas um, something like six, seven years ago, there was uh, American fans that tired of him. I don't know if uh, if there's a demand to see him again or what, but uh, if you look at that rating, uh, like I said, it was something like I think 1.7 million average, um, which is very good uh, for a premium cable network like HBO. So that was an excellent fight, um, and it was one that Jennings surprised a lot of people because he's a he's a guy who hasn't been in the sport for long, only four or five years. Um, actually, he's a late sort of late bloomer, and he. And he actually had had his moments against Klitschko, but he lost. It was a clear, decisive win for Klitschko, and uh, many people are hoping that he fights his mandatory challenger, Tyson Fury, the guy who I mentioned earlier. Um, I also was lucky enough to be uh, at the Barclays Arena on April 11th. Um, Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson uh, put on an excellent fight on a, as part of the, the PBC series that I mentioned earlier. Both guys are advised by Al Heyman. Um, they they're both uh, title holders to fight for whatever reasons, and I won't even bore people with it now. It wasn't for either one of their titles, but it was a excellent fight. Uh, Danny Garcia, who is recognized as the uh, the best fighter at 140 pounds, um, the junior welterweight division, he was victorious. Uh, he's a guy who people have mentioned as a possible opponent for Floyd Mayweather, um, but uh, that fight was fought at a catch weight uh, above 140 pounds, and many people believe that Danny Garcia is going to move up to 147 pounds, which is the division that Pacquiao and, and Mayweather and a lot of other big names fight at. Uh, and you could possibly see Danny Garcia fight Floyd Mayweather uh, maybe um, in September, uh, but that's something down the road. Uh, Andy Lee and Peter Quinlan, I, I touched briefly on that. That was underneath that um, that main event at the Barclays. Um Lee and Quinlan are two middleweights. They fought for the uh, WBO middleweight title. The fight ended up being a decision um, draw. Uh, so Andy Lee, who was the title holder, re- retained his belt. The funny thing about that fight was that that was the same belt that I mentioned earlier that Peter Quinlan dropped um, because he didn't want to defend it and he didn't want to um, be promoted by uh, Rock Nation Sports. He didn't want to defend it on their card. So that was an excellent fight. Um, right now, what many people consider to be the fight of the year took place uh, between two of the um, the best 140-pounders in the world. Uh, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, D. It was an excellent fight on HBO uh, between Lucas Matisse and, and Ruslan Provotnikov. Oh, that was good. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't seen it, YouTube it. Uh, HBO on demand it. It was a um, an excellent 12-round fight between two guys. You know, you, you talked earlier about um, technicians and, you know, uh, you know, guys who master the, the art of boxing. Well, these two guys, they like to brawl. Uh, they like to fight. It was This was like a, uh, whether you're from Detroit or Brooklyn, or this, is, this was like a street fight between two guys who are, you know, more technical than two, two drunks in a bar fighting, but it, it got that kind of, uh, it, it got that kind of buzz, you know. I was tweeting, I was tweeting it for um, Boxing.com, and some of the tweets that I saw, it was a brutal, brutal fight, an excellent fight. One that um, uh, that Lucas Matisse won um, by decision, uh, and one that we probably will end up seeing um, again. Uh, and in that fight, Lucas Matisse, Al Heyman guy. Uh, so, you know, another another mention of uh of Al. 
those were the, those were some of the the big fights. One other fight that I'll mention only because of hopefully what it will um, the result would be following it. Um, for those who don't know, I mentioned Sergey Kovalov earlier, who is the considered by many to be the best fighter at the 170 pound 175 pound light heavyweight division. That's the division that Roy Jones ruled for so long, um, and even Bernard Hopkins and Antonio Tarver. But uh, so Adonis Stevenson. For in uh in early April he he defended his title. He actually is considered the linear or the the guy who beat the guy who beat the guy at light heavyweight. Um, Stevenson is a Haitian-born um, fighter who's now fighting out of Montreal. He's got a big following up there. He's he's managed. He's advised, excuse me, by uh by Al Heyman. His fight was on CBS. It was the first deal for the um the first fight of the CBS deal. Uh, he retained his belt, and now everyone wants to see him fight uh, Sergey Kovalov. They're two big – Stevenson, like Kovalov, is a knockout guy. He scored some um, highlight reel KOs, uh, including over former light heavyweight champ Chad Dawson. So that's a fight that, that a lot of people really hope um, get put together. Um, in terms of upcoming fights, to you, the uh, Andre Ward fight, uh, which is significant only because of the uh, the fact that it will mark – Andre Ward's return to the ring, first time fighting since uh, November of 2013, and it'll be the Rock Nation Sports premiere um, fight on the BET Network. That's going to be on uh, on June 20th, so you guys can uh, you have that to look forward to. Next weekend, all of the attention, obviously, is on this little fight, Pacquiao Mayweather, uh, <laughs> that a lot of your listeners might have heard of, but... Um, Next week on uh, on the HBO Network on May 9th, uh, there is a, a huge fight between um, the former title holder at junior middleweight. Uh, he's, he doesn't have a belt anymore, but he's considered one of the best fighters in the world, Canelo Alvarez. Uh, a lot of people know him from his, um, his mega fight with Floyd Mayweather a couple years ago. Canelo hasn't lost since Mayweather dominated him. He's not even 25 yet. He's probably the, in fact, not probably. He is the most popular Mexican American fighter, uh, active fighter, and he is fighting um, one of the most fan, TV friendly fighters uh, in the sport. And James Kirkland. Uh, for those who don't know Kirkland, I say Google Google him, Google his uh, his fights. He's a guy who throws. 100 punches around, and every punch is a knockout punch. I don't know how he does it. He's got the condition of he's like 50, he's like 50 Cent when 50 first came out, and he was doing, you know, <laughs> yep. and he was working out in his videos, and you were like, this guy is, you know, I don't know what, what, what he's on, but whatever it is, I need to get it. Well, that's what Kirkland is on because he is a, a fighting machine. Um, So that's, uh, that's May 9th on HBO. That's a fight that uh, you should definitely check out. Um, Miguel Cotto. Who I mentioned earlier, Cotto hasn't fought since he knocked out Sergio Martinez in June of last year on pay-per-view uh, in New York during Puerto Rican uh, weekend. Uh, it was Miguel Cotto's first fight at middleweight, and he fought for the middleweight title. He knocked out the guy who was the um, the champion, and now Cotto returns to the ring for the first time in, in over a year. Uh, he's going to be fighting at the Barclays. It's going to be his first First fight at the Barclays Arena, um, and he's fighting on June June 6th against a uh, longtime middleweight contender, Daniel Gill, 
in a fight that um that I think is going to be good. Uh, Cotto Gill is not a well-known guy. He's from he's from uh, overseas, from Australia. He's a he's a naturally bigger guy than Cotto, so it's a it's a fight that in which many people are expecting Cotto to fight Canelo Alvarez at the end of the year uh, in a in a fight that would be the second biggest fight of the year, a big pay-per-view mm-hmm. brawl. But um, before before those two potentially meet later this year, they both have two tough tests ahead of them, Cotto with Gill and uh, Alvarez with Kirkland. So those are just a couple couple of fights to look forward to um, in the coming weeks. Amir Khan, uh, who has made a lot of uh, noise for himself in recent years for trying to um, get a fight with Floyd Mayweather, Amir Khan is um, is fighting. Uh, I believe it's the uh, the end of May, the May thirtieth. They'll be fighting at the Barclays Arena in Brooklyn, New York, on uh, on Showtime. They'll be fighting former title holder Chris Algieri. Algieri is known for people because he just lost a uh, one sided fight to um, to Manny Pacquiao, but he previously he went into the fight against Pacquiao with the title, uh, lost that fight. Now he's returning against Khan, who is probably one of the most talked about fighters in the sport because of his his attitude and his ability in the ring and because many people think he has a glass jaw and because he's been chasing Mayweather around for the last three years, two or three years, demanding and begging for a fight. Um, so he returns uh, in a fight that a lot of people are looking forward to seeing. So that's just a few few fights to take a, um, to check for in the uh, next, next com- coming months. See, this is like a good seven course meal. See we got y'all all full. We we, we, we came with the hors d'oeuvres. We we came with the uh you, you got you, you, you got what they call the sorbet or sorbet or whatever they call it to kinda of cleanse your palate. Then we came back with some other stuff. We set the context and now we go into the fight. And we're gonna do this in three stages. So you, you are you I've already established that we got the pound for pound boxing analysts in the business. Everybody else can talk what they talk. We, I put game change up against NBA, any NBA analyst. I put Phil T up against anybody in football, whatever. He can just – Phil T like all sports. I put him you, – you're not going to outwork him. And I got Teron. I put him up against anybody in boxing. You already heard that. Now we're going to go – into the fight. We got three phases of this we're going to talk about here as we as we move into the last part of this podcast. We're going to talk about the setup. We're going to talk about the road for them getting here. And, and, and we want him to kind of maybe talk about their previous five fights, you know, how I set the contest, because they all were in different places, and they had to kind of work their road that, that then created this mega fight. So kind of walk through how they got to this place. Then we're going to have him break down what he believes to be the fight plan for both of them, what they're going to need to do. And then like every boxing match, unless you get a knockout, you got to go to the extension. We're going to want him to talk about who's going to win and why. And then I'm just going to close it out. So now we we don't heat you. We got you lathered up. Now we're about to get right. Don't be calling your bookie. Don't be doing any of that Vegas stuff or doing what you need to do. Sit back, and we're going to break this down. So let's start with the setup. I want you to talk about their roles to here. 
the fights that they had, how how that set the table for the fight we got here right now. So I'm gonna pass it off to you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That was I, I don't I, I don't even know how I follow that that setup, man. But um, like you said, the uh, this is this is a, a fight that's been a long time in the making. People have been talking about this for the last five, six years. Um, these guys are, are finally meeting. Uh, they're, they're meeting for for the WBC belt. I mean, there actually are titles on the line. It doesn't. This is a fight where titles don't even mean anything. It, it wouldn't matter if these guys had any belts, but they do. Uh, they they have the WBC and the WBA and the uh, WBO titles will be at stake. Uh, they they both come in off of victories. Uh, Pacquiao off of, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, a victory over Chris Algieri um, uh, in November of last year, which was a, a one-sided fight that Pacquiao won um, by unanimous decision. That was his his third fight, uh, his third straight victory following his shocking knockout loss in uh, 2012 against Juan Manuel Marquez. Now, over the last few years, Pacquiao, like you said, his last five opponents, he's fought. Um, his last five opponents have all been current or former title holders at the time that he fought them. Uh, so he's fought, you know, cream of the the cream of the crop of the welterweight division. Um, he suffered back-to-back losses uh, against Timothy Bradley in a highly, highly, highly disputed decision that. I don't even think Tim Bradley and his family thought that he won the fight, but somehow the judges gave it to him. Um, and, <laughs> and Manny's subsequent fight, he was beating his longtime nemesis, Juan, Mel, Juan Manuel Marquez. He was ahead on the scorecards uh, in the, up until the sixth round when, uh, in a, in a, when he suffered one of the most brutal knockouts in recent history, uh, certainly of, uh, of big-name fighters other than your, your Roy Jones Jr. There's not too many times where we've seen a guy at the top of the sport suffer the kind of um, vicious knockout that Manny did. Um, but like I said, since then, he's won three straight fights. Uh, the best of those opponents was uh, Timothy Bradley Jr., who he fought in a rematch, and he once again dominated. Um, this time the judges got it right, and they gave him the decision. Um, uh, Pacquiao also scored a, a lopsided decision over uh, a tough but limited fighter and uh, former title holder, Brandon Rios. So he's, he's coming into this fight with some steam. Um, Floyd Mayweather, I mean, his last five fights, pretty much like his first uh, 40, uh, what is it, 41, 42 fight in that he won. Uh, he's, uh, he comes into to the Pacquiao fight, obviously undefeated, 47-0. Uh, he, he has been, and his last, um, his last five fights, He's actually shown a little slippage. I mean, certainly Pacquiao has in that this is a guy who, prior to his his, uh, last five fights, Pacquiao had scored some of the most brutal and highlight reel knockouts in the sport. It's been, been, I think, six or seven fights since Pacquiao last had a knockout. For Mayweather, he's not a knockout guy. Um, Anyone who watches Mayweather fight knows that he's a technician who scores and uh, a, a defensive wizard who flummoxes his, uh, his opponents, um, he hasn't – so it, it, his issue hasn't been that he hasn't been getting stoppages. It's just that he's been getting hit a little bit more. For years, 
it seems like uh, the guy who used to be nicknamed Pretty Boy Floyd was would enter the ring pretty and he would leave the ring pretty because his opponent couldn't land a glove on him. Uh, starting with Miguel Cotto back in 2012, we're starting to see guys land a little bit more uh, on him in recent years. Uh, he just he comes in to this fight off of a victory over Marcos Maidana. That was the second time in a row that they had fought because Maidana, a former title holder, uh, had given Mayweather a very good fight um, in their first fight in May of last year. Such a good fight that people thought that Maidana deserved the rematch. Well, he got the rematch, and the first fight was pretty close. Most people had Floyd winning. I did. The second fight wasn't close. Floyd, uh, who's, a, who's boxing acumen and IQ is is so high, I, I don't even know how you rate it. Um, he 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 did an excellent job of uh, of making adjustments, and he beat Maidana. And I mean, I, I I talked about Pacquiao's last five opponents all being current or former title holders at the time that he mm-hmm. fought them. The same is true for Mayweather's former uh, most mm-hmm. recent five uh, opponents. So these guys are fighting the best in the uh, in the sport over the last few years, and now they're literally fighting the best. More than likely, well, certainly for Pacquiao, but even for Mayweather, what many thinks is the the best fighter that each is respectively facing in their career. So, woo, woo, that, that's straight fire. That's sort of the uh, the build up. See, <laughs> I, I just had to sit, I had to sit them on Twitter like Mac. Hey Mac, you better move over. You better make some room on that set. You better make some room. This we do. You know, like what Sig Knight say, if you don't want the producer all in the studio, all in, come to death row, you know, let your boy shine. Oh, he's doing his thing. I was over taking notes. You broke that down. <laughs> so it's, now we're going to move into the fight plan. Let's break down. Given all that, that's how they got here. Now it's here. I've heard a lot of people talking about different things. From your perspective, start with Manny. What do you see as the fight plan? What does he got to do? Mm-hmm. Well, these this fight, um, besides the two guys having completely different personalities, they have two contrasting boxing styles. Uh, Mayweather is a orthodox fighter, which he's a righty. Um, he is, uh, like I mentioned, he's a defensive whiz. Uh, you know, he's got he's got defense like the '85 Bears. That guy. Um, he's a, a technician who's a a very accurate puncher. He's not a guy who throws a lot of punches. That being Mayweather, but he makes his punches count. Uh, he's not a guy who who throws a lot of power shots, but he makes his power shots count. He, he does a great job of setting up his power shots behind his jab. He does a great job mm-hmm. of keeping his balance. Um, that's that was one of the reasons uh, the two fights in recent years that Mayweather has had his most issues have been against Miguel Cotto and against Marcos Maidana. And many people believe that they were tough for him because both of those guys were physically bigger than him or at least the same size as him in, uh, in Cotto, and they physically roughed him up. Uh, that's what people think that Pacquiao needs to do. Now, Pacquiao, like I said, is – complete opposite in that he's a southpaw. He's a, a left-hand lead fighter. He um, 
is not a defensive technician, though he has pretty mm-hmm. good defense. We have he has been stopped in his career before. Uh, he is a, a ultra aggressive guy. He's a guy who doesn't necessarily, who doesn't unfortunately for him always have great balance because he is a knockout artist. Or you know, over his last five fights, like I said, he hasn't recorded any. But prior to that, um, you know, his 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 knockout over Ricky Hatton a few years ago, one punch knockout. Um, I think I don't know if Hatton is the uh, has recovered from that from that punch since then. Um, <clears throat> Pacquiao's a southpaw. He wants to be aggressive. He wants to be controlled in his aggression, and he wants to use his um, because he's a southpaw, and, and and many most fighters are orthodox. He he's leading with his left hand, uh, and mm-hmm. it's going to be difficult for um. He's 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 hoping that this is going to cause an issue for. For Floyd, uh, there's a possibility that it might. Floyd hasn't fought a lot of um, uh, Southpaw fighters in his career, but he's had some issues with the ones that he did face, Zab Judah, uh, almost 10 years ago. Though Judah, though he beat Judah, Judah caused him some problems. Victor Ortiz, who uh, Floyd knocked out a few years ago, was a Southpaw. Um, Ortiz had a little bit of, uh, I don't know how much you remember that fight, but he had early on, he had a little bit of luck against um against Floyd. He ended up being mm-hmm. knocked out. But prior to that, he caused him some issues. So that's why this one of many reasons why this fight is so fascinating. Now Pacquiao was a smaller guy. Uh Floyd started his career at 130 pounds. He you know, he's fighting at welterweight now, but he's a guy who pretty much uh, he's fighting at 147 pounds. He's a guy who walks around at 150 pounds. Usually the guys that he faces in the welterweight division are larger than him. Uh, this is going to be the first time, probably since he fought um, Ricky Hatton back in 2007, this is going to be the first time that Floyd is going to be in the ring with a guy who's smaller than him. Uh, so it's going to be fascinating to see how um, how he deals uh, how he deals with that. Is he going to to do something which we don't normally see him do, which is bully his opponent. Because, you know, you obviously you're not gonna bully a guy who's bigger than you. If anyone has seen the um you know, the photos when they've done the face off, Floyd is not only bigger sorta of in the chest and the shoulders, he's taller and he also and I think it's some gonna be something that's very important, he's got a long reach for a um for a relatively short guy. Uh he's got seventy two inch reach. Pacquiao in comparison has a sixty seven inch reach. Um, that reach allows Floyd to keep his keep fighters away away from him, uh, which is what he wants to do. He wants to be able to keep them at a distance, use his jab to control to control them, and I think that's going to be uh, one of the keys in this fight is that is that is how he's able to control the distance and keep um, the guy with the shorter reach who's going to need to get in close to land his punches. How he's able to keep him away from him. Uh, Floyd's shoulder roll defense is unlike anything in the sport in terms of there's no one who does the shoulder roll the way Floyd does. You'll see imitators, uh, your boy Adrian, about billions. Um, Broner is one of the uh, <laughs> most well-known imitators of the shoulder roll. Floyd is the only one who does it. So it, it'll be the first time that, um, that Pacquiao will be in the ring with someone who, who employs that. It's a, it's a defense that's hard to do, but if you are – you know, when you're a defensive wizard like Floyd, who's mastered it, once once you master it, it's 
seemingly impen- impenetrable. So it's going to be interesting to see whether or not uh, Manny can penetrate that. It's also going to be interesting to see how much the, the knockout affected uh, Manny a few years ago. Uh, like I said, since he suffered that devastating knockout against Marquez, he hasn't scored a knockout himself. And there's been a lot of um, talk that he is sort of that he's a he's a man who recently rededicated himself to his religion uh, and stuff. And there's been talk that between the knockout and his new found um, love of God and, and and dedication to his religion, that he's lost his edge. He's lost his knockout edge. Uh, that he's not going for the kill. A lot of people yeah. a lot of people have been saying that because he he hasn't been able to stop these last couple guys. So it'll be interesting to see um, if that knockout, and many people believe the knockout affected his his aggressiveness. Marquez, it was devastating. Yeah, it was. And, it was and, you, and you know, Mar- you know your boxing. Marquez is one of the best counter punchers in the game. But even if he's the second best, he's the second best to Floyd. So. Yeah. And, and, and the one thing I want to ask you. Yeah. I want to ask you real quick about something. Let me ask you, let me ask you something real quick on this. Because one thing I think is underrated about Floyd, he does knock people out, but he hits hard. Because you see even bigger guys, the reason why he controls it, it seems like he hits them hard enough to make them think about whether or not they want to come in and get more. Would you say that's accurate? Because a lot of times people say, well, you know, he doesn't have knockout power. They think you don't have power. I, he has, I think he's very judicious. But he hits people with stuff that make them think whether or not they want to come. Is that accurate? Yeah, it is. He is he's a guy who is very um in the ring. He is like a mathematician. Uh and like you said, he, he has shown flashes of power like he he knocked out Ricky Hatton, who was undefeated at the time. He knocked out um Victor Ortiz. He stopped some guys. He's got power. Uh, let's, let's not. Now, you know, he's got what? Delahoy with a body punch? Was that? Was that Delahoy? No, no, no. That was that was that was uh, that was that was the executioner, Bernard Hopkins. Um, but, but Hop- but Hopkins he, actually did it. I thought Floyd got somebody with a with one of them liver shots. But maybe I'm a. With a li- he, oh yeah, power. years ago, years ago, I I, I want to say Sean Bay. I think he stopped Sean Bay Mitchell yeah. with a liver shot. Well, well, yeah. Um. So he's but yeah, yeah, he works the body great. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see his ability to work Pacquiao's body because of the height difference. Uh, Manny is about 5'6". Floyd is 5'8", or listed at 5'8". Um, you know, it's it's usually harder for a taller man to get to a to the shorter man's body. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you have to come down. Uh, you expose your chin. So we'll, we'll see how much he uh, focuses on Manny's body, but that might be one way to slow Manny down. Um, many people think Manny's going to be the more active fighter, not even in terms of the number of punches he throws, which he, he does average more punches thrown around than Floyd, but they also think he's going to be more active with his feet. Uh, Floyd, so he's a defensive whiz. He has amazing footwork, very precise footwork. He doesn't have a lot of footwork. Like, you see a lot of guys who, you know, dance. You know, what's Muhammad's uh, saying, dance, float like a butterfly, sing mm-hmm. like a bee. Uh, yep. Floyd doesn't float. Uh, he's 38 now. He, he he ain't floating, but he uses his footwork to to you know to stay out of harm's way. Um, and 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 you expect him to do that in this fight. That, that's a you know, and I think we because I, I know Teddy Atlas was talking about the, one of his reasons for picking Pacquiao 
is his foot speed, his ability to, to get in that space and get out in ways that other boxers have not been able to do with Floyd. But one of the things, the reason why I think Floyd is able to slow it down to a running game is the thing I think he makes people think about whether or not they want to taste stuff. Because I think they come into the ring with this, this idea that he doesn't have power. And then they try to engage him. He hits him with him some body shots and some other stuff. And then you see him start to slow down, they're not engaging him. And I'm thinking it would be interesting to see how that might affect Pacquiao, who is, like you said, normally fearless. Like he's not he'll, – he'll eat something to come get something. And that will be an interesting kind of thing to, to see how his footwork allows for him to get to space where – because I was at that Zab Judah fight uh, in the Thomas and Mac, up top, looking down, and nothing like being a great fight, Vegas. Watch the brawl that they had at the end uh, <laughs> when Zab was getting frustrated because Zab got to him early. And then Floyd controlled that fight. Zab got frustrated and then was hitting low. And then before you know it, Roger was in, everybody was in their fight uh, after that. But but th- he got sneaky power that allows for him to do that running game. And But the footwork, that's, that's what everybody says that Pacquiao – his ability to get in and out and around uh, using that using that footwork. Um, <laughs> be able to do, or do you you see Floyd controlling those angles? I, I think I think Floyd is going to be able to control them. Um, I, I think early, I expect uh, Manny to have more success. Um, I think, uh, like I said, though Floyd has fought really good opponents and um, or, or pretty good opponents. In recent years, one thing he hasn't fought is a guy with good hand speed. Uh, you know, you have to go back maybe to Cotto, who's who's more known for his punching power than his hand speed. But you would have to go back to Cotto because the last four, yeah. the last three guys saw Canelo Alvarez, not a fast puncher, Madonna, a powerful guy, a, a brawler, but not a fast puncher. So I think his, I think Manny's speed initially is going to cause. Floyd some um some issues, especially coming from that southpaw stance. And I actually made a mistake earlier. The lead right is the southpaw wants to do um because his left mm-hmm. hand is his power hand, so he wants to lead mm-hmm. with that right and then uh, follow up with that left, whether it be left hook, left left cross. Um, yeah. But I, I believe, like you said, Floyd has underrated power. If if he didn't have power, guys would guys would bro- roll over him. You know, you you've got to yeah. make a guy. That when you when you've beaten as many good fighters as Floyd has, you gotta have punching power because they've got to respect you, uh, especially yeah. a guy like a, a Madonna who is, you know, he's shown in the past that he if you are not uh, if you can't keep him off of you, he will just ro- roll over top of you. Um, he didn't roll over top of Floyd because he couldn't catch up to Floyd, and when he did, yeah. Floyd made him pay and made him think think twice about uh, loading up for big shots. Uh, I think yeah. I think you're gonna see the same thing with uh with Floyd and, and Manny. I think he's he's going to uh I think by those middle rounds I think he's you're gonna start to see him land heavier, more accurate shots against uh Manny that's gonna either make Manny have second thoughts about being continue to be aggressive or he's gonna just stop him in his tracks um and make him pay for being aggressive. So it sounds like we we've been to the decision point. It sounds like you're leaning some way, so I'm going to let you say it. I won't put no words in your mouth. I don't want to say nothing. Just got to be on the record. 
we got to let you do what you're going to do, then I'll say what I'm going to say. So, so who you got, decision, why, who you got? Um, I, I, I went back and forth with this. Uh, as a writer, you know, you're, you're not really supposed to be biased, but, you know, I'm a human. I have my biases. I want to see Manny win. Um, I think that that would, would be much more likely to see a rematch if that were to happen. Uh, as, as difficult as it was to put this fight again, already I'm thinking about a rematch, right? We haven't even had this fight. You're probably like, hey, you need to slow yourself down. But I'm already thinking that's, that's about a right. rematch. Because I, I love the fact that boxing is, um, you know, is getting all of this coverage right now. But my, my mind and, and what I know about the sports say that Floyd is going to win. Uh, it's gonna, he's going to win because, and, and, I, and I point back to that, that Marquez fight, um, uh, Pacquiao and Marquez had a four-fight um, series. Uh, it was a lot of good back and forth. Um, Pacquiao had a lot of issues with Marquez, as I talked about earlier, his counter-punching. His, um, and I think that Floyd is going to pre- present those same problems times two. I, he is basically, in a lot of ways, uh, Marquez, he, he's not, they have different styles, but in, in a lot of ways his style is similar to Marquez, and he's a better version of Marquez. So because of that, that uh, I think that Floyd wins a, um, I want to say a somewhat competitive decision, maybe something along the lines of eight rounds to four, maybe nine rounds to three, Um but I just don't – I don't see Manny being able to win enough rounds, um, even though I think he's going to throw more punches. I don't see him being able to get in close, get in past that reach, and land enough shots to win the rounds. And I don't see him being able to land a clear knockout punch and uh, and stop Floyd, who has never even been um, knocked down in his career in the ring. Mm. Woo! It's out there. It's out there. You breaking it down the way I did, man. I, I, one of the things that I, I think is the fool's gold about Floyd. You know, when, when people watch all these shows and all these interviews, but I've been telling people volume down. Turn the volume down and watch it and look at what you're seeing. And what you're seeing is a guy that's always grinding. Don't get caught up in the. Um, the, the Bugattis and all that other stuff. Bottom line, Cat ain't never out of shape. Bottom line, he is always focused. He is hard working. When you got you put talent with a stream work ethic, regardless of all the other stuff you can do, all the other things you can say, Oberlin, all the other opinions you might have about other stuff. In the ring, and that's what this is gonna be about. If you go be Floyd, you got to sneak up on him. And this one's not sneaking up on him. He's been seeing this thing come for five years. I I could see him losing more to Madonna than I could see him losing to Pacquiao. I could see him losing, you know, some of these previous fights where he was trying to be focused, but he couldn't be, but not this one. He just got too much on the line. Too much has been talking. Too much doubt. Too much money. It's all Floyd, man. And it ain't because I'm from Michigan. What I'm going to tell you this is because he 
will do exactly what you're talking about. He's the smartest in the ring. He's the hardest working in the game. He's the most prepared. And he's controlling all the factors around the fight. We didn't even talk about the referee. And they play a role in these big fights in terms of how they let you fight. But like you said, I think if, if he manages to have a chance, it's got to be just like Shane, it's got to be early. Because once he lock into his stuff, that cruise control, it's going to be on. So, so I'm with you. I think it's going to be Floyd. Um, and I like Manny. I like Manny a lot. I like Freddie Roach a lot. I like their relationship. I think it's a great story. Um, like you said, if, if, if it was – I'm a little nervous if it goes to a decision. I think Floyd could lose a decision. Because anytime you really? have these kind of – these kind of highly matched stuff, you know what I'm saying? That's the only thing I'm nervous about. Because if yeah. Manny is busy, I think that might be it. You know what I'm saying? That's where that can get crazy. Because Floyd don't throw a lot of punches. So no. if he's able to deter him early, then Floyd But if Manny is kind of busy and gets messy, I think that, that might be one way in which Manny gets a decision. Similar to what you just said about Manny's first loss. Floyd could lose just like Manny did in his first loss. And have you and I on Twitter going, we can't believe it. Well, I, I got a quick question for you, D. And I actually said everyone um, who, who I talk about the fight with, because, you know, because I'm a boxing uh, junkie and I watch every fight, it's, it's great. It's awesome for me to have a fight that the sports fan knows about. That, you know, mm-hmm. the, the guy who doesn't normally watch boxing is talking about this fight. Um, and it's also sort of reminiscent to me of times when I was a kid and Mike Tyson was active in that there were fight parties, you know, like it's, yeah. sometimes these, with, with fights and big fights in recent years, it's been hard to find a fight party. Yeah. Now I'm, I got invited to a thousand. Where are you watching the fight or have you made a decision yet? I'm still trying to figure it out. I, I just had one of my guys, one of my, you know, the CEO for XL Academics, one of our sponsors, he was talking about hosting one, so we might do that. You know, I'm going to be in, uh, I might be in a great city of Madison. Uh, so I got a couple people up here uh, that uh, I look at the host. I mean, this is the first time, like you said, it's serious fight party. You know, and I've been in, I remember uh, Riddick Bowe against Holyfield. I remember being at a conference in a bar, people standing up watching. I mean, it's been a long time. And, you know, it's like organized. I see people on Facebook creating events around these things with food and yeah, this is big. Uh, and so I'm deciding, <laughs> Rockford, or it'll be up here in Madison. So, sounds good. It, like you said, it, it's uh, it's it's great to know that you won't have to uh, order a pay-per-view in your house, uh, you know, all by yourself, or you know, uh, or try to find a stream of the fight online. This is um, this is a fight where you know you 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 go out to your local pub or you you, you name it, and it's going to be everywhere. And like you said, the fight parties. And stuff like that. So it's it's really great for the um the sport, and uh and like you said about the um the referees and the uh, the referee excuse me and the judges. Yeah. I think everyone involved in the sport just hope that we have a clean fight without any issues. Yeah. Um, and we have a if it goes to a decision, we have a fair decision. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the eyes of the sports world are on boxing. Um, you know, it's kind of like you know when you uh. 
you know, if you have a, a friend or, you know, if you have a girlfriend or boyfriend and you take them out mm-hmm. to a, a nice place and you're like, look good, you know, don't don't make me look bad. And that's how you feel uh, that's right. about everyone involved in this um, event. Let's Let's put on a good show. Hey, brother, tell them where they can find you. As we get the music going out, we want to make sure they can find you. Tell them where they can find you. You can find me at uh, at boxing.com. You can find me at uh, on the Undisputed Champion Champion Network um, dot com. Uh, and you could also find me on Twitter at Teron Briggs. Uh, and uh, that's pretty much it. If you're in Brooklyn, hey, check for me in Brooklyn. I'm around. <laughs> Boy, brother, man. You know, we're going to be on Twitter. You know, I'm going to be scoring the fight. You know, we're going to be going back and forth. Um, it's been a pleasure. It's been a great podcast. You can catch us at realsportsguys.com. Uh, you can catch us on uh, You can um, catch us on Blog Talk Radio. Um, we're all over. Um, you know, replay this podcast. This is money. This is gold. Um, this is one mic. This is how we do it. We let the we let the experts come on the show. We let them breathe in a way that you will never hear them breathe in other places. That's what we do in the RSD, man. And uh, you have a blessed weekend. You know, I'm going to hit you up. And, uh, you know, we might have to get back to the whole fight. We might come back together next week and review this and think about Canelo. We might have to do it one more again, you know, and just keep it going. You, you, uh, but, you ain't got to twist my arm, brother. Yeah. You know, so... You have a good one, man, and be blessed. And everybody out there, enjoy the fight. Be safe. Till next time, one mic. Uh, so I'll include it with that. But, yeah, we're, we're rocking, man. All right, brother. Take it easy, man. Enjoy the fight, brother. All right. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.